three. Welcome back to Be Great with Nate. In today's podcast, we have a very special guest, the one, the only, Nathan Turner, his dad. They'll be discussing what's happening in today's society and how different and similar their upbringings were being a black man in America. They'll also dive deeper into how his father played a huge part in raising him and teaching him all about mindset and positivity. Enjoy. All right, Dad, what's up? Hey, man. Welcome to my podcast. So we try to do this on Sunday, but on Sunday we had a lot of technical difficulties going on with the connection and stuff. And then we did it again yesterday, but I had a crazy headache, so we're doing it today. My dad is doing this from his phone with Bluetooth headphones in, so he's not in front of me. I'm in California. He's in New Jersey, so we can't be in front of each other. But even though the quality is not going to be top-notch, this has to go down. So, Dad, I just want you to just tell me about yourself a little bit, like where you're from, um, you know, and just your background a little bit. Well, as you know, I'm from Jersey City, but I still live all my life, uh, born and raised here. Got three brothers, your uncles. You know, your grandmother was a single mom raising me and your uncles. And I come from a woman, mainly a family, mainly of women. Okay, I come from a single dad environment myself. And you know that. And being from a single dad environment teaches a person, you know, how to be a special person. You know, you learn how to be a dad that want to show up for his kids, you know, because I remember personally, my dad was around. He wasn't always there, but he was around. He was around enough to impart some of his life lessons on me, and which came in to be very valuable later on. But mostly he wasn't there when bill time came, you know, when mom was struggling to pay them bills, when the lights had to be paid, food had to be on the table, those type of things. But mom was strong, you know, she ain't never turned her back on me, and that's where that comes from in me. You know, a man is supposed to be a man because he is a man. If you grow up to be what you're supposed to be, you do your best out of anything you do. Like I always tell you, mm-hmm. you gotta be your best, you know? Mm-hmm. And I learned that from women. You know, you come from a family of strong women, you know, mm-hmm. and all the love in the world. We ain't come from no rich family, but we came from a family. And you know, when people come to our family, they see what family all about. Yeah. You know, family is family, yeah. you know? And I always taught you, you got to be responsible for what you put out there. You know, you say something, especially you, and, and the feel that you, you got people listening to you, people counting on what you say. So everything you say, you're responsible for. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have to be real thoughtful and mindful before you say something. Can't say nothing that you ain't willing to try to do yourself. You know, send mm-hmm. somebody out there to, to wash a car. You don't know how to wash a car. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you know to talk about and do things that you know. You know, basically, my, my background, you know, I was a, I, I wasn't the, the, the best kid, but I wasn't the worst kid because my family upbringing didn't allow me to be the worst kid, mm-hmm. you know. I dipped and down in some things, you know. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I take it now, looking back on it, it was my way of learning life. Everybody yeah. got their own way. They go through life and learn. Yeah. I got my life lessons the hard way, yeah. you know. I didn't get my, all my education, but I always continue to educate myself. Mm-hmm. That's that kind of education was so important to me for y'all. I'm proud to be a single black man that had raised three boys and all three of y'all got college degrees. Well, your, your brother, the youngest brother, get ready to get his. Mm-hmm. You know, that makes me one in a million. 
Yeah, you know, so that does. was my life. Yeah, my, my life legacy was just that because I often think, damn, what did I do with my life? You know, I did just that. I gave this world three black men that's educated. Mm-hmm. You know, three men that's gonna make a contribution to society. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go on any corner, close your eyes, and pick a delinquent. But to put somebody out there that was gonna make a contribution to life, that was what my goal was. And I think I did pretty good. You yeah, know, a lot I of people to tell great. me that. Yeah, you know, well, it, it, it wasn't, you know, like, you know, you grew up in it. It wasn't all that easy, but it's doable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's doable. You know, a lot of kids out there only just never had a man to tell them, yo, I see. Mm-hmm. You know, I like what you did. I love you. You know, a lot of those kids out there, if they had that in their life, they make all the difference in the world. That's why it was important to me. You remember on Sundays what it was. It was movies for us. All the, all you know, the regardless of what I was doing and where I was at, all right, my boy's waiting for me. We're going to the movies. Haircut you know on Saturday. Haircut on Saturday, that's right. <laughs> you know why? Because my dad used to come every once in a while. He had this thing where when he come, he would take us shopping, right, mm-hmm. and buy us a few things. And I would win us over. And he would take us with him for a couple of days, you know, and treat us like, you know, so when we came back to Miles for the first week or so, we was hot to handle. We was getting Miles help because mm-hmm. dad just now took us, you know, we used to cry, go, I'll get with you, go with my father. Trying to hurt her with yeah. those words. And she was like, nigga, I'll take you back too. <laughs> we didn't know. Check this out. We didn't know until one summer she took my ass over there and left me. She took me over there and left me. That's when I found out the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't find I didn't find out he didn't love me, but I found out that it wasn't all about me with him. You know, he wasn't there when I was back with mom because he had other things that he was more interested in doing than being a dad raising the the many kids that he got. You know, he got many kids. Yeah, he has you a know? lot of kids. Yeah. Yeah. I remember looking out and him telling us, I'll be there on Saturday, you know, to get y'all. And all day Saturday, I wouldn't go outside and play. I wouldn't do nothing. But jump every time the phone rang or go to the door every time somebody knocked because I thought it was him. Two, three o'clock Saturday morning, my mother would be telling me to go to bed and I'd let know my father come. Yeah. And he wouldn't get there. And I remember how that felt as I said there and tell you about it. And I would always say to myself, I would never let a kid of mine feel like this because it's the worst feeling in the world. Yeah. And all I want him to do is just come. Come, yeah. You know, to make my mother wrong one time. Yeah. You know, because she would always tell us, look, she never talked bad about him. But she was always trying to just make sure we didn't get hurt. Yeah. You know, by keep believing in the same thing over and over. Because she knew the next day we was going to be all, you know, messed up. Yeah. We disappointed and still have hardly hoping that he pop up. Yeah. You know? So yeah. that's why it was important that every time, you know, Saturday I was making sure y'all had your hair cut money. And Sunday we went to the movies. Movies, you know? yeah. yeah. Because those little, that little time I knew was going to make the world a difference later on in your life. You know, there's a teacher, that principal, somebody loves y'all regardless. Mm-hmm. Let y'all know that nothing came before y'all with me. That was first point blank, you know? Yeah. And the things that we said in those times was something that I hope later on in life you would be able to do and show your, your kids about how to be a mental thing you learned from me, you know, in those transactions. Of course, you know? yeah. And, you know, we had a little love time, you know, when y'all came with me permanently, you know, things changed. 
Now, yeah. being a parent ain't the easiest thing in the world. No, I know, and that's so. So, what? Some questions I had for you today, and, and you just hit on some. Being a parent is not the easiest thing. I kind of, I, I think that for you specifically, you're stuck in between two things. Like I am a little bit, and um, mm -hmm. like basically what's going on today, right? Like you see the protests, you saw the protests really continue to, like to this day, but then you see the looters, you also see the violence behind it, and you, I know you saw the video of George Floyd being killed. Um, what do you? Yeah, I can't watch that again. You yeah, can't watch that again. I, I can't. No, I can't. You, you, you know why? Because, you know, I used to always tell y'all, if the police ever put you over, just cooperate, give them your name, you know. And I, I always trusted knowing your kids. See, when you know your kids, you know what to expect of them, you know. I used to be discouraged, come on, when I was a kid, they used to go, ding, dong, ding, it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your kids are? Mm -hmm. You know, I used to always say to people, <laughs> I know where my kids are. You know, even if I wasn't with y'all, because, when you really know your kids, you know your kids. People could come to me and say, oh, your kids did this and that, this and that. And I can say, honestly, oh, my kids didn't do that. But every parent say that about their kids. Mm -hmm. But I truly can say that because I knew my kids, because y'all knew that it was, it was repercussions behind bad actions, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And a lot of these kids don't have repercussions. You know, yeah. they, don't, they don't have discipline. Yeah, you know, and the discipline you gave us wasn't even like hitting us. <laughs> the scary no, thing about I, it was, I, I never studied y'all. Never because <laughs> that don't. You know what? I would rather get a, a quick ass beating than to get you know punished because an ass beating go away. Yeah, punished like if I, if I put you in the house for a week, my friends outside playing a whole week. You know, if you beat my ass five minutes later outside playing, you know, it ain't no lesson there. You know what that the lesson that is. It teach you how to resolve issues with violence. Mm -hmm. When you when you when you beat a child, it teach you to to solve situations with violence. You don't want that. You know That's you don't true. want them thinking that. Okay, I got a conflict, and the way that I settle this is through violent means. No, it's compromising understanding. Mm -hmm. You know you compromise the situation, you get an understanding from it, but you have to understand why you're being punished. Mm. You know. Yeah. And get a lesson from you got to train everything into a lesson. Mm -hmm. if you can do that, you'd be all right. Yeah, you'd be and, all right. But, but with the George Floyd killing, you, why you watched it one time and then you couldn't stomach it to watch it again, right? Yeah, I, believe it or not, you know, they play over and over and over. Yeah, of course. I watched it a couple of times. But then, you know, I watched it like the third time. You know what I noticed? They just now talking about, I noticed that man had his hand in his pocket. And he was like, he was on his man's neck, relaxed. Yeah, because it's, it, it, it's you know they become so complacent at doing what they doing to us, and knowing that there's no repercussion behind the repercussions again. Yeah, you know, no penalty in them. You know, actually shooting us down until they would do it like it was supposed to be done. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and, and, and it's tough, man. When you got black children, you bro, it's tough. Yeah, you it's think. Tough. Do you think like have you ever seen something like that in person or or on the news before like when you were my age 25 26 years old Actually killed no but I don't know if you remember the kid, you remember my friend West right Mhm mm I know That you see drive me around Yeah I don't know if you remember the, the police killed his wife I know well, I was waiting for him one day I know I know I was So, so tell, tell that story tell that story for me 
we, uh, you know, Wes was a friend of mine. He used to come and take me grocery shopping, take me yep. around, have me my little business. And he was like my driver, so to yeah. So I called him one day and he was prompt. He would always come. So I'm he was a nice guy, him. man. Yeah, waiting yeah. for him, waiting for him. And he went with an older woman. She was actually 66 years old. And Wes was only like 53. Yeah. All right. So I'm waiting for him and I, and I, and I called him, Wes, what's up? And he was like, I call you back. And I'm waiting. And then finally I called him. And he just said, Yo, man, the police just killed my wife and hung up. And I stood there stunned. Mm. Like, Hold on, did I just hear what? And I, you remember this was years ago. This was yeah. about. This is when we was in the hotel. Right? No, this or was Grand Street? After that, with the, uh, off, off of um, Grand Street. No, Bowers? Bowers. Got it. We was in the Heights in Jersey City. And I was like, yo, did he just say what I thought he said? Yeah. So I, I called back and called back and couldn't get no uh, answer. So later on on the news, it came. And I'm watching the news and I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. That's why. So I called him again. No answer. So the next day he came around and he explained to me what happened. His wife was a little unstable, right? So when she didn't take her meds, you remember how, you know how your mom get, exactly. Yeah. You know how your mom get when she don't take her marriage. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Like his wife was like that, but she's 66 years. That with that disease, the older you get, the worse it is. Yeah. And so she started hallucinating this. So he called the ambulance. He said, My wife's not on her meds. You know, she's seeing things and she getting a little out of hand. So they told him to call uh the police. And he's mm -hmm. like, what, what, I, she just didn't take her meds. So they sent the, the EMS. And they came with the, the police in the van, the back, they said, yeah, what's up? Mm -hmm. EMTs, yeah? Emergency police squad, whatever. SWAT. So they come up, yeah. SWAT They team. come upstairs and he called them back and said, just for their safety now, try to be make sure they okay. He said, listen, my wife's 66 years old, okay? She hallucinating. She got a knife because y'all banging on the door and y'all staring her. She tried to look out the peak hole. Y'all put black tape on the peak hole so she can't see who's mm. in the hallway. Mm -hmm. Please calm down, all right? I'm going to try to get the knife from her, but calm down. They hang up. They go out in the truck. They get dogs. Now they got dogs on the other side of the door barking. And mm. her head now yeah. is just going on. Yeah. So he cracks the door to tell them, listen, Y'all making out, y'all wrapping her up. When he cracked the door, they reached in and snatched him out. Oh. Closed the door again. Threw him, you know, always back, back, back down the hall. And then they get the bulletproof shield and everything. Then they kicked the door open. Just a lady, 66 years old, standing there, mugging out in her mind with a knife. 66 years old, with a knife, with about 12 men with sticks, guns, and, and battering rams in the door. Open up the door, go in there. And shot that lady dead. Oh man. Shot her dead. Bro, that broke him down. Oh, broke man. him down. He's still going to court. That was like 12 years ago. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, it has to be 10, at He's least 10 years ago. He's still going to court for that. Wow. Still going to court trying to get justice for that. Wow. For real. And yeah, so, so that, that happening, that's the only situation that I know personally. Yeah. You know, that where there was, somebody was killed by killed. police brutality. You that saw that your whole life. Yeah. I saw it yeah. when cops used to break into our house with you, yeah. with my uncles. I saw it 
so much that it kind of made me fear police, even though I never ever broke the law. You know, I'll be driving yeah. in the car and if a cop comes behind me, I'm sweating, I'm shaking, my heart is beating, I'm nervous as if I did something wrong. But it's a trauma, yeah. I'm, I'm traumatized by seeing them always go after my loved ones in an aggressive way, you know? So I try not to, but I want to pick your mind on this. So what's the, what's the next move then for, for the black community on dealing with this? Because I'm seeing a lot and I'm pretty sure you're seeing on, they're saying, you know, black cop, there should be no black cops or kill the police or defund the police. And out of nowhere, two months ago, you have a son, my young, my, my little brother who becomes a police officer. Uh, in the Port Authority and went in it for the reasons of trying to be a hero, not trying to be, uh, have used the badge as power, but literally want to change what, how people view cops and change, you know, the, the idea of a cop and be what a cop's supposed to be. And now he's stuck. First, he started off when the coronavirus started, <laughs> which is crazy. And then now, you know, you have a son that is black, that is a cop that's being verbally abused every day for being a, basically a traitor in a way. What is your idea on that? Well, first of all, I, that, you know, growing up, I never thought that I would have a son that would be a police officer because of the way I grew up. But yeah, as neither. I grew, yeah, yeah, as I grew and matured, I realized police ain't bad people. There are some bad people in the police department because when you need help, the first person you call is the police, all right? Yeah. Mike I mean, was the that, police. I was just about to say, Uncle Mike, who's your cousin, but basically your brother, and he was an uncle to us more than a cousin. That, um, exactly. He was a cop, and That's he was what, like my hero when I was growing up. Exactly. And That's he had it, challenges of being in the police department, right? Being a black man in the police department. So he was fighting his own the battle. Department that he was in. It was because of the police department he was in, the Port Authority Police Department, mm -hmm. which is uh, by uh, itself separate from the Jersey City Police Department. Yeah, big they, time. They, they, like, they like the preppy boys. You got the, 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 the public school, and then the prep school, right? Yeah. Port Authority like the preppy boys because they make more money. They got a more easier job. They got better benefits. So it's that, that type of thing. Yeah. You know? So Mike was like, and when he got on the force, there wasn't that many black folks yeah. working in the Port Authority. And then he got some rent, yeah. you know? And so, but he broke some barriers and it made it a little easier now that Brandon is there. You know, as a parent, I make sure every day Brandon leaves his house. He don't leave without stopping in that room and let me know he's leaving. And to tell you, I don't go to sleep until he come back in the morning. When he back to hand in the morning, the first stop he make is at my door. Mm -hmm. Let me know he's home. And then, you know, I can rest. I'm at ease. Mm -hmm. Because, one, uh, that's just going on out there. Mm -hmm. right? It seemed like the timing was wrong when I was becoming police. But then, the timing ain't never wrong. The job is what it is. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Like I tell him, I want you to do your job. Mm -hmm. You know? I want you to be the best at whatever you do. I don't want no heroes. I don't want no you no know, conscious heroes. I don't want you waking up and they say, I'm going out here today to be a hero. Mm -hmm. If the situation was to arise, I want you to do what you know best. Mm -hmm. and, and, and a conclusion of that, make you a hero of me. But I don't want you to see a situation that look like it calls for a hero 
and you got to be the one to answer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, because I want you coming home every day. Yeah. You know, and ain't nobody else volunteering. Then it must be a reason. People have been there long before you. Yeah. You know, so don't think you have to be the one. You let the answer on your chest show. Yeah. You know, and you know you gotta you gotta you gotta let it be. You know, and hopefully this police thing. You know, what the thing is, if you listen to the news, they tell you what's going on. They expected too much from the police. You know, at a traffic stop. Okay. You don't need a person with a gun showing up to give you a ticket. Because every time you call the police officer, he comes, there's a gun involved. Anytime there's a gun involved in the area, there's a potential of a life being taken. Mm. You know, regardless, you could be coming in for whatever reason. You never know what's going to happen. But as long as that gun is there, yeah. there's the potential of a life being taken. Yeah. You know? So, true. so if you got a traffic stop, you don't need a police officer. You need traffic patrol people. To do that, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you got a homeless man in a square with no drawers on, you don't need to call the police. You need to call a segment of the of, of the hospital for them to send out a certain, you know what I'm saying, department yeah. to deal with. Because police officers not trained in mental capacity, you That's know, and, 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 and psychological things. They trained in crime. They should only be called on the scene if a crime is being broken. You know, mm-hmm. but they call out for everything. Old women calling out when they, they, the cat caught them stuck in a tree. Yeah. You know, so that's what the problem is. People expect too much of them. Yeah. And then when they over, overreact to a situation, then people, you know, uh, want to hang them. Yeah. But, but, but it's just the point, the plain simple fact is they, they expect too much from them. Yeah. You know, and they don't train for the other things they get called into. They're not relationship specialists. Yeah. You know, how's going you and your girlfriend arguing? The police call. Mm. Right? That's and now that's a heated situation. Mm-hmm. Now, the chances of it getting volatile is really high then. Mm-hmm. If two people argue, you and your girl arguing. And then she threatens you with the law. I just cook. Yeah. And yeah. then the, the police is called. What should happen is uh, uh, there should be some uh, um, patrol safety people or uh, whatever call. And they should come to try to defuse the situation. Now, if the situation looks like it's getting out of hand, yep. then they should call a police to come and back them up yeah. or have the police on hand to watch over mm-hmm. the situation. You get yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. With not having the police come because that motherfucker's mad because he had to come and look at you and your girl arguing and they might strike something and they said that his girl did to him before he left home. Now he pissed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he's taking it out on you. That's true. And that's what happens. Because yeah. all those men, listen, you get all of those shootings, bro. All of the fucking victims were, I ain't gonna say peace to loving people because we don't know them. But at the time, was calm, cool, and connected. No. Yeah, you know? I know. I think, I think um, the problem that, like, growing up in, you know, in Jersey City and having the cops bust down the doors, it was always the dudes, like if I ever recognized the cop, it was usually the cop, to be real with you, that was bullied in high school or grammar yeah. school and wasn't cool. And you knew he was, you knew he got the gun and badge to be a tough guy, you know? And that was the last thing. Brandon is not none of those, you know? Brandon was the mm-hmm. cool kid in high school. Brandon was the tough kid when he, he wasn't walking around tough, but everybody knew Brandon was built 
for tough situations because he came from a tough background, right? Mm -hmm. When Brandon became a cop, his thing was, he was calling me like, yo, Nate, there's somebody that I know of that just became a cop. I don't like it because he's going to be one of those dudes who use a gun and badges of power. I I don't want that. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. So Brandon, I felt like when Brandon first came a cop, I wanted to become a cop. I kind of didn't want him to because I was traumatized by cops and I'm like, oh, I don't want you being a cop. It was my own uh, trauma, uh, me being traumatized, <laughs> trying to stop him in my fear, trying to yeah. stop him. And I had to stop that because he had this enthusiasm that he never had before. You know, he was really, mm-hmm. you know, growing up, I always want to talk and help people in my way of like, you know, expressing my pain to help others. Brandon mm-hmm. wasn't like that. Brandon wasn't talking to people. Brandon had no, you know, inspirations to want to be a speaker like me. And I found like Brandon finally found a way to communicate his pain and be a hero to people around because of his childhood on being a cop. That was his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think right now, you know, it's hard for me to sit here and say, okay, if everybody is attacking Brandon at work, when Brandon's, you know, he called me yesterday, he's like, Nate, I was doing a protest. And we were minding our business, just making sure things don't get out of hand. This guy was really trying to, you know, verbally abuse me, you know, and, and, and it wasn't getting to me, but he tried to, he tried to tell me that I should be ashamed of myself being a person of color, being a police officer. And, um, you know, I'm a coward and I'm a traitor. And then I say to Brent, I said, Brent, you know what I'm thinking about? If everybody in the black community is thinking that we take all the black cops out and all the color cops, we just left with white cops. That's how we start. We're going backwards. You know what I'm saying? That's how we start. We're going right. backwards. So, like, the people that are protesting, here's what I thought about. The, there's, the peaceful protests are very powerful because they expect us to make these protests violent to riots. But when you're able to compose your, the, the, the anger and sadness and get together as a group and, and beat it by peace and show up and stick together, it's more powerful than breaking in because they expect us or they think that we're going to break in. They already think we're criminals as is. You know what I'm saying? So we're kind of proving their point if we break Mm -hmm. in and we start these riots. But a lot of people, you'll see that there's a lot of people who are protesting who's trying to stop people from looting stores, Mm -hmm. trying to stop people from being so angry. But we'll get onto the subject of some people. It was actually white people, like undercover cops coming breaking windows and stuff, trying to make exactly. it worse. We know that. But when you see it on social media, when you read articles about it, there's people saying we should defund cops. Um, there should be no black cops, no this, no that. I think a lot of it is a lot of subconscious pain going on for so long that when people finally get gets a space to express it, they don't know how to compose that anger, which I totally understand. But if you, I don't think anybody has thought about when they made the comment, kill cops, because if you want to kill cops and get back, you have to understand that life is all about karma. So if, you, if you're mad because someone killed somebody and now you want to kill that person, just know that that doesn't make you any better. You know what I'm saying? It, yeah. That's not your job. Right. Your job, that's God's job, right? Or the universe. That's not that's right. But on, aside from that, if you're sitting here saying, let's fire all the cops, let's get rid of all the cops, all black cops should not be cops. You should be ashamed of yourself. And all black cops go, you know what? You're right. I quit. Two things that we have at hand. Number one, during this time of a pandemic, I need you to help me pay my bills. I'm going to quit, but I need mm-hmm. you to pay my bills and provide my, for my family. But most importantly, number two, when I leave, we give them more power. Because now, since you're so upset about me being a cop, 
I'm a black cop. I'm going to quit. Now, how are you going to feel when you go and you get pulled over and every cop you get pulled over is white? Every, every cop that you know is white because you wanted all of us to quit. That doesn't make sense to me. And I'm like, I'm telling Brandon, look, man, that doesn't make sense. You know, don't feel like that. You got to, you got to go into the situation with understanding when someone's talking to you like that, they don't know any better. When they go that deep, they didn't think that deep. You know what I'm saying? Now you should be ashamed of yourself if you're uh, a cop of color and you're putting your hands on a, a peaceful protest or doing nothing, you, you know, then you can get into these arguments. But if you're just standing there and what people are doing is people learn that they don't get in trouble for freedom of speech. So they're recording themselves going up to cops and just threatening cops and talking to them. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You want a one, like it's getting out of hand now. Right. And they're trying to people, exactly. Some people are taking it a little too far um, with this in their position where you can use this moment to build up. What you really should do is focus on, okay, you came together. We made continue to push the protest, continue to be upset. I'm not disagreeing with that at all, but I think you should get together and communicate with one another on how to spend your dollar on a black store, on the black community, black education. Let's increase that. Like there was a powerful basketball player. I think he's number one in the country. He's being recruited. He's like, I may go to HBCU now. That is powerful, mm-hmm. right? Because you take all yeah. – that's what we're talking about. That's a powerful thing. Now, you may still have the situation where there's some people of – you can't shame the people of color that want to go to other schools. But if you want to make a mark, you have to make what action. A lot of people like to play the victim and point the finger on making people feel ashamed of themselves, of having a job, of being a black cop. That, that, that doesn't make sense to me. But – no, what, what you have to do, you have to you have to beat the white man at his game. Yeah, his game is economics. You know, I forget who it was said the other day. Every time the police commit a, an offense against us, the next day, automatically we're gonna make the sense known, you know, the next day nobody spend no dollars and a white man nothing. Yeah. You know there what I'm saying? Go. That's All powerful. And, and and that's a that's a that's a billion or something dollars. I mean, every time something happens, it costs him a billion or something dollars. There so you go. One, one day, everybody black don't buy nothing white. You know. Yeah. Just for one day, they feel it. You know. Yeah. See, police. Check out the event of the police was the, the concept was created to uh, to help the slave owner when when when. The Freedom Act was uh, was was done when we was when slaves set free. They invented the police to get keep getting free labor. Cause now you can lock people up and have them go work on farms. See, they still getting that free labor. Yeah, you know they lock people up for stupid shit, and you have to go to jail for thirty days or pay fifty dollars. You ain't got fifty dollars. Okay, you gotta go work on so and so farm for fifty days. So now that that that, that farmer they get fifty days free labor from that same goddamn slave, mm. you know that slave is free, but that that that, that slave owner still getting free services from a black man. Yeah, and that's why the jail system is it, it, it grew so much because they get free labor. Mm. Every jail you go to, every jail there is, they got some type of work going for private industry. You know, I didn't private know that. industry paying the government. Yeah, private industry paying the government for the jails to do 
a certain amount of work. Like the the the, the prisoners that work out on the highway, cleaning the highway. All right, they get paid a dollar a day. Wow. Okay, that right there, they don't get no they don't get no benefits. They'll get you know what I'm saying. They'll get and that explains days. why the, you know most of the population in, in jails are black. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's why blacks get charged. Yeah, it's a they, system. They continuously man. getting that labor. They yeah. they getting that labor. They get that labor. And and see, black people are angry, bro. You know, just think, think this: a tiger is born a tiger. All right, he belong in the wilderness. You can have a tiger and raise him in your house and domesticate him, by you know, but that tiger still might bite your head off one day because he's a tiger. <laughs> he belong in a wilderness. You did. Yeah, he yeah. got no business on your sofa, but you watching TV. Yeah. All right. Same thing with the way white people were bred against black people. It's, it's for, for years and years in their genes, in their DNA, they were bred to believe that white people were supposed to be superior. Yeah. You know. So deep, 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 deep down inside, they always got the superiority about them, and black folks are angry because of the same thing the white man feels. They feel superior. We now that we got degrees, we are private business owners, or homeowners now, you know, billionaires now. You know, we feel like, hey, you know, not no more, but they're not giving us that. And we angry because we never got retribution for the work that our forefathers did for this place, building this place from the beginning. Mm. You know, before, they promised every uh, free black slave uh, 10 acres in a mule. I think it's 10 acres. So that meant that every free slave was supposed to get 10 acres of land and a mule to start his life for. I don't know if you ever heard the saying. If not, you look it up. It's called 10 acres in a mule. Reparation. It's called a reparation. Mm-hmm. There's people in court to this day still suing, trying to get every black person their 10 acres in a mule. This country owes that. They paid the Japanese. You don't know that, right? No. When we bombed Pearl Harbor, right, they ran around and grabbed everybody in America that was Japanese and locked them up in internment camp. Wow. American history don't teach you this. Everybody, they had to, even though you've never been to Japan before, they didn't care. They, everybody who was Japanese in America during World War II, they locked them up. They ran around and gathered them up. I locked them up in the training camp. Years later, Japanese sued them. They paid them off. Every Japanese, thousands, hundreds of thousands of Japanese, they paid them off. I didn't know that. Look, actually, I'm looking up. And they paid them reparations. And our reparations was, we were promised. We were promised 10 acres in the mule. Every free black slave was supposed to get 10 acres in the mule. And if you look at it, your, your, your Lord, we in court still today trying to get out to niggas in the room. Wow. And you know what I used to think? I used to think, wow, they can't afford to pay us that because they did. It was great. That's not true because you see what they did? They gave them those things check. They gave everybody $1,200, bro. They gave some people $6,000. Yeah. I'm like, yo, that'll break the motherfucker. No, they can afford to do that. They talking about. Okay, and turn this shit over, give everybody $2,000 a month. Give everybody in the, in the country $2,000 a month. Bro, you know how much money we talking about? Yeah. The crackers got that shit. 
Excuse me, they got that. Honestly, they got me. They can afford. They can afford to pay everybody in America yeah. two thousand dollars a month and don't even sweat it. Yeah. And don't yeah. even sweat it. And here it is. They act like they crying over pennies. They act like you know, ain't nobody should be homeless. Mm-hmm. Nobody should be hungry. If they can afford to give every American two thousand dollars a month for nothing, they can afford to feed every fucking every freaking body. <laughs> yeah, you know no, it's like that. You can curse on here. You get, you get, you get, no, you get I mean, keep you it know, raw. Keep it raw. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's crazy. You know, yeah. they, they got the money to do it. You know. Yeah, that's but, true. I got some questions for you, Dad. So, yep. So, in the you grew up in Jersey City. What part of Jersey City did you grow up in? Did you grow up in like was it very diverse as a child? Uh, tell me no. about your no, right? No. So what? You see where you see where I live at right now? What part do you live? I grew. In? I'm actually the block I live on right now. I grew up one, three blocks from here. Yeah, it's Greenville, I, I right? Born, yeah, I, I was born here three blocks from here, Greenville. I was born. I was living on. Kearney and Ocean Avenue, mm-hmm. which is one block over and two blocks down. Yeah, I know exactly what that's at. And yeah. and and it was a it was a when I was growing up, um, you always stuck around there as much as you can. And I was always fascinated when you passed one street called Communipaw, why it turned in from probably pretty diverse to just you know dominantly just black, right? And it was I was obsessed on like wanting to know why and. I found out that the junction was where they used to sell slaves. The junction, so, that's why it's, it's called it's called the junction because everything meets at the junction. All the buses from each area cross Communipore. In order to get from Bayonne to the square, you gotta cross Communipore. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So when I when so Communipore was really like when you cross that that block, that boulevard, and you go into the next neighborhood, which is Greenville it turns into, you know, basically a black neighborhood because those were slaves after slavery. That's where they kind of like started to live. Right. Did you know that? Yeah, well, I looked that up. I, I but there's other yeah, reasons, well, of course, too. Yeah. Well, it, it, or, see, or, see, that, that may be kind of so on the boulevard going down. Mm-hmm. Like you had, you had more predominantly white folks, but Bergen going this way, Bergen, Jackson, Ocean Avenue, while they're going toward um, Garfield, was predominantly black because the black folks worked. See, my aunt, Tootsie, she used to work for the white folks that lived on, on, on that side of town. She would go cleaning houses, you know, and on, on, uh, on uh, what's that, uh, Duncan and, uh, and the Boulevard. Yep. You know the building's still there. It was pretty, it was a predominant, I mean, prominent white folks living there, and that's where she worked at. And a lot of people, that that's how they, that's what they job was. They would go clean white folks' house, you know, yeah. and they had to live somewhere. So that's why that's Martin Luther King Drive. Yeah, Martin Luther King. It used to be yep. Jackson Avenue. Yep, and but it's Martin Luther King Drive because it's predominantly, you know, uh, black, mm-hmm. and that was that was the ghetto. Uh, of the of this town, the ghetto, the ghetto, that whole strip in the Green Valley from Communipore to Danford. Yeah, and was the your Danford? Yep, yep. So the whole Greenville, and but but when you were growing up, was your neighborhood considered the hood? Did you grow up in the yeah. roughest part of town? 
Definitely. No doubt Definitely. about it. <laughs> listen, listen. Because, you know, I come because any black person who grew up in Jersey City, the time that I did, grew up in the world, it was smaller time because Jersey City was a bad town. So it was uptown New York. You know, mm -hmm. so was North. Mm -hmm. Predominantly the whole city of North. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just areas, it was the whole city. The whole city, yeah. You know, so, yeah, during that, during that period, it was like this area that way. Now, you had some areas like uh, Greenville, was, you know, where we so, so ghetto. You know, it mm -hmm. was like, I was, I would call it the middle class white folks yeah. in Greenville then. And, and then, then like, you got to be on, yeah, uh, white folks with a little money. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Maybe one or two families black in the on back then. Yeah. But every place was the hood back Man. then, bro. And, but when you were a kid, right, and say if you were in the wrong, like you went to a white neighborhood, was it awkward for you to go into a store with a white owner in the store? Did you feel, did you ever feel uncomfortable being black growing up? Like going into stores or going into, you know, you know, having a white friend, et cetera? See, I, I went to a school when, when we first got there, me, Tony, Michael, and John, when we first got to the school, it was predominantly white. And it was during the time, the early 70s, when things were changing. You know, but we had, uh, we had problems with race after the, the 60s rise and stuff. It was a, a gang called the Bones back then. They used to, uh, up in Greenville and Kevin Woods area, they used to chase black folks. They used to go around schools and terrorize, you know, black kids and this and that for a couple of years until the Black Panthers came and, you know, shut them down. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, we had a, uh, but, 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 see, when I was a kid coming up in the 60s, the, the civil rights movement and all that was going on, things was in, on the turn, on the upswing. So all of that, you know, crackers calling you nigga and all that, it still happened, but it wasn't prominent. And plus, it wasn't really that prominent up north anyway. That was south stuff. South, you know, when yeah. you don't go in the store. Yeah. Down south, you don't go in the store, or at nighttime they come and burn across in your, your front yard. Those things didn't happen up yeah. north here in the Philly. Yeah, you know, that's like come slaves was trying to escape from the south. down south and come up north because they had freedom up here. Yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was, they had prejudice up here, but it wasn't like you go and go and get hung. You know, we yeah. had hangings and stuff like that up here. Yeah, you know, that was yeah. that was in the south stuff. Well, being raised, right, like, and this is, like, one of my favorite questions I wanted to get to. So being raised, you know, like, with you, I never, ever, there's a couple things I never saw from you. I never saw you use being black, like, like, ever mentioning, like, there was times where, like, I saw, like, the bus driver getting on a bus, and I saw a bus driver look at you funny, or people look at us, look at us funny when we walk into stores, because... Not only were you a black man, but you were a proud black man. You will have the afro like you, you have right now. Mm -hmm. You'll have a pick in your hair with the black fist, right? And mm -hmm. you have like a thousand rolls around the house. But you'll have one of those and we'll walk in and you never mentioned the fact of someone looking at you funny or you never said this person didn't do this because I'm black or I didn't get that because I'm black. I never even heard you say that growing up. Um, but one of the most craziest things is how I was born into this earth is you fell in love with a white woman. 
right? That's what I was going to tell you. The most, <laughs> listen, ironically, the, 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 the worst experience I had with racism was with your grandmother. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not. Yeah, because, I know. I know. See, I was raised, I was raised color didn't mean nothing, bro. Mm. You know, people is people. You see that in our family. Yeah, 100%. people is people. You know, like you come in, you bring any of your friends around, you know, they welcome. Yeah. You know, nobody batting the eye and on the corner, you know, come on in. You yeah. know, and then the people that you bring around us will leave with an experience like, wow, that family cool. Yeah. You know, and the only problem I had was with your grandmother. And it was because she didn't like how proud I was. Yeah. Believe and let's make not. this clear. My grandmother, who is a white woman, my mother is a white yeah. woman and her mother obviously is white. So yeah, yeah continue though. Exactly. Your grandmother, and, and believe it or not, and your grandmother in, in the beginning, her brother, uh, Uncle, um, yeah, Mark, get his name. Mike or Mark? Who? Mike or no, Mark? No, no. Your, your grandmother's brother. Oh, Bobby. Uncle Bobby. In the Bobby. beginning, Uncle Bobby was the first... Believe it or not, Uncle Bobby was the first white man to call me nigga. Wow. Where is mine? Uncle Bobby was the first white man to call me nigga, yo. When? When was and that? He called it to me. He called it to me more than once. Wow. And your grandmother was the second one. Wow. Where, after she heard, after after Uncle Bobby came around, right, and was you know popping shit, and seeing that it wasn't you know bending me, you know they yeah. were trying their best to break me, but I wouldn't. I was too proud, you know, yeah. because I'm like, huh, y'all have been in the projects too. Yeah. You know, why y'all gonna call me a nigga? Yeah. You know? And your daughter is better off when she got with me than she ever was in her life. Yeah. And she didn't like the fact that your, your other grandmother, my grandmother, my mother, you know, was so good to your mother. Yeah. She didn't like that because you know the situation, the whole family dynamic yeah. is just something I had never seen before. Yeah. I had never seen a white family that was so, so broken. But yeah. then through them, I learned that white families are like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They, they, not, they don't have the, 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 the roots that we have, you know, and the stick to itness that, that black folks have. And mm-hmm. I learned that through that family, you know? Yeah. When, when Uncle Bobby called me a nigga, I could use that baby, but I could have broke him in half, but I laughed at him and it made him mad. Yeah. It made him out because he couldn't offend me. And that the crazy and thing I about would. it that the audience doesn't know is that like I'm not trying to like amp it up a little bit, but you wasn't a guy to mess with during those days. Like yeah. you wasn't a guy like when I come across people that were mm-hmm. like that know you, they speak out of a high respect of you, but they used they would tell me like yo, your dad was no joke. Like and you didn't look for trouble, but when it came your way, nobody mm-hmm. wanted trouble with you. You know, so I that's, so, that, that's why. For him to say That's that to you. Want to say that because my philosophy always was when you give somebody respect, you demand respect back. Yeah. See, when you're giving everybody respect, you don't have to ask for it back. You demand it back. Yeah. Because any type of way you, see, you run into some people looking, especially growing up with me, it was people always looking to try, you know, regardless of how much you may have respected them, you know. But I was the one to let you open the door. Look, pass me over, partner, but either you respect me or leave me alone. Because yeah. I'm going to respect you. Yeah. That's the only way we're going to deal is on respect each other. Terms. Yeah. And then once you become known like that, you know how we used to go places like that bar downtown, the bar in Yep. You remember that bar called the Sheep on the Pizzeria? I know exactly what you're talking about. 
Yeah. Was, they were they didn't need a hundred black people in there, but I can go in there all up in the back because and I was a mother because the way I dealt with them, the way I respect them, where I carried myself. You know, yeah. and in the beginning, they didn't like me because I was too proud for them. But I was proud because I didn't understand why I shouldn't be proud. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. I didn't understand why I shouldn't be proud. Yeah. They were trying to see white folks try to make you feel less than. If you let somebody make you feel less than, you'll be less than and you'll appear less than. Yeah. But if you feel greater and you and you act greater, you are greater. Yeah. You know, a person only know about you what you project. Yeah. You know, That's if true. you project weakness, you'll be perceived to be weak. Mm-hmm. You know, I was always raised that, hey. I'm good, you know, I'm good. And, and, and in the streets, I knew I was better than good. I was great because I can outthink the quicker, because jokers wasn't highly educated during my coming up period. I can outthink the, the average joker, you know? Yeah. And so I could deal with anybody on any terms. And I always dealt with older people because I like to listen. Yeah. Cause you remember I told you the story about the year I took the sabbatical, Self-imposed to go out and shut it. Yeah, you told here. me. Yeah, I, hold listen. on, but don't talk about that yet because I want to talk about that though. I want to <laughs> get through these questions with you because I got, I got yeah, that okay, lined okay. up. Yeah, don't, don't talk okay, about well, that. Anyway, you know, I, I didn't let people treat me less than that. You yeah, know? of course. So it, it's the way you carry yourself. If you project yourself one way, because when you first meet a person and you say, hi, my name is Nate. I'm a billionaire. All right, from that point on, all right, Everything about you gonna have to project billionaire in order for them to believe that you're a billionaire. Mm-hmm. And if it does, they ain't gonna think that you're not a billionaire. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, it's very so true. So you are who you project yourself to be. Yeah, that's very true. You know? That's very true. That's, why, that's why, why I always carry myself around. I, I'm good. I, 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 you know, I'm great. You ain't gonna let me feel no less. Yeah. When you brought my mom, like, so for an example, say if you and my mom went on a date, right? Did you have people stare at you? Because I, I spoke to my mom oh, doing this. And she we said, when you have this podcast, the toughest time that your dad's been through as a black man in America is when we dated. Yeah, I had problems. And because your mom was a looker. Your mom was, you know, she was a looker. And she looked at good. And jokers. And me, oh, was beautiful. Because, like I said, yeah. because I looked at her not like a white woman. You know, I looked at her as another woman. You yeah. Know? And she denies I black hair. Where I went. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Said, I take it where I went because, and jokers would uh, disrespect me constantly, call it snow bunny. Oh, that was wow. the favorite one. Well, in you the know? black community? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. man. I know. I know. See, so. That's right. But, but I think I saw a lot of racism you know, in the black, uh, in the white communities when a black person came in, but I kind of see it aggressive when I see white people come into a black neighborhood as well. I see oh, racism see, go both ways. Yeah, well, well, let me tell you, a lot of times that be return racism. <laughs> return racism. Yeah? <laughs> I never knew that was a thing. Okay. That's what it means, because a lot of times, people ain't got no reason to be mad at no, no, no white person that they have never even encountered before. But they remember how they may have been treated when they were, uh, you know, on their table, on their side. Yeah. So they'd be like, okay, now let me let you see how it felt when I was there, you know? Yeah, yeah. But you got to watch, you got to watch um, uh, Do the Right Thing. Yeah, I, I, I watched that, Dad. 
Okay. Yeah, come all on. Right. I watched all those. Tells, yeah, that's right. It tells the whole thing, okay? Yeah. But yeah. they go to the pizza beer. They're like, man, you know I going to put uh, Muhammad Ali on my wall. Look at the old pizza beer. You know? <laughs> he was straight. And he was yeah. right. That was his pizza beer. And he didn't want Muhammad Ali on the wall. He didn't have to, you know? Yeah. But Mookie was like, no. You know, this our neighborhood, that's the way things, that's where the divide coming at. We all, we all, we all people. And with you, like, I don't have to like. You yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I have to respect. Yeah. I have to respect. And as yeah. long as I respect it, I, I can continue to dislike it. Yeah. That's your business. It's true. It's my problem. That's true. All right. I, I want to make sure I get through all our questions here. This is a really good conversation mm -hmm. we're having. This is very raw. This is what I wanted. Um, so when you met my mom, right, w besides the, you know, being, you know, the race thing being a challenge, what else was a challenge in that relationship? Like, you know, was it hard for you to get an apartment because, you know, of the birate, like, say if you have a landlord that was a white landlord, was it hard for you to go get an apartment? You think, was it hard for you to get an apartment because you was a black man trying to get an apartment or they discriminized you in any way? Did you feel like that when you was dating my mom? Like, no, actually, we didn't, we didn't face those kind of racism. No, okay. The racism that we faced was the, the hood type shit. Like, as far as the apartment thing, the first apartment we got together, I had gotten through a job. I had got a job as a landlord. Oh, wow. right, this was before y'all was born. I got a job as a landlord around here on Cater, and we had Jay. Uh -huh. And uh, the, the job came with an apartment. Oh, wow. You know, they gave me the apartment with the job. And your grandmother, at the time, the only income was uh, your mother welfare check for Jay. Mm -hmm. All right? We was young. We were young, you know? So I got the apartment. Your mother had the income. I was running around doing this and that for a little money, you know? Your mother had the income. So now I got the apartment. She got the little check, which wasn't nothing. Back then, I think it was a little $273. I remember exactly, you know? Mm -hmm. The apartment I got, got for free, but we had to pay like and gas every month. Your grandmother, when your mother went down to downtown to get the check, you know, your grandmother would fill her head up. Uh, he just wanted for his money, but that little money, I mean, that little $273, you know, so she would never come back, um, you know, because your grandmother would give her a hard time. Yeah. Now, but, but home, she lived in this apartment for free the whole time with Jay, you know. And I'm putting up with this here for, for the longest, you know, until we finally got that apartment in uh, Duncan. Yeah. When you was, uh, when I was you born. Was a baby. I hated yeah, you that was apartment. Born. I hated yeah, that apartment. You was born, and then, then Darren was born. Yeah, matter of fact, yeah. Darren was born a day after we got the apartment. Yeah, I remember. You see, I rem the, the the struggle that I remember that is like, I remember, like, I can't really remember so much of my, ch like, when I was really young. But one thing that I remember is being in Duncan Projects. So for those that are not listening, Duncan Projects were like probably the worst projects in Jersey City. I'm, I'm sorry. It was very- Yeah, one bad. of the worst. Kerry Woods was the worst. Kerry Woods well, was, was the raised, worst. I was raised, that was the worst. Yeah. Yeah. But, and then the one that you had me in was bad. And here's the thing that I hated. And this went on for my whole life. When you would bring me outside to play, I was light-skinned. I got beat up every time I went outside. I remember one day a kid taking my bike, right? They put me to the floor, and they ran my face over. I remember that like it was yesterday. 
right? And I was crying and I was traumatized to ever bring my bike back outside. But I hated, I hated that apartment. I remember the elevator getting stuck with me and my mom on it one day. It yeah. was like, yeah, I, I remember that. I was waiting for y'all in the house and y'all was going for hours. And I thought your mother did another one of her dips, you know? <laughs> and I heard fire trucks and everything outside. And I ain't paying no attention. I was mad because I thought she tricked you and ran off. Yeah. And kind of found out y'all was stuck in the elevator. Yeah. But when, I, I don't know if, how well you remember, but after you had that little problem in Duncan, I stopped letting y'all go outside. And every time we came outside, I took y'all down to 16th Street. Yeah, every time. And there was times that we used to walk from Duncan to 16th Street. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I used to, exactly. we used to walk probably, it was, that was like a two hour walk for us. I remember that. Yeah, it seemed, it seemed like a two hour walk. How but long was that walk? Man, uh, from Duncan to, to Kevin Woods? I mean, no, from to, Duncan to, to 16th, 16th Street. Street. When y'all was kids, when I was pushing one of y'all and dragging them over my head. It was probably about about forty minutes an hour. But remember the man on really? I don't know, remember the man on the bus. The bus, the bus yeah. So a bus driver well, used to see us walking with y'all every yeah. day and say like that. Every time I see this man, he walked in and he got those kids. So he would pull over and give us a ride. Yeah, I and remember then he that. Got guy. To Brandon. The Brandon used to sit down and talk to anybody. Yeah. He always talk to adults <laughs> all the time. I I know, I know. He Brandon was a fearless child, man. Brandon's the guy for the audience. Brandon is my the middle child. He's the one that's the cop now. We so we used to walk from we used to walk, you say 45 minutes. If I take that walk today, it's not taking me 45 minutes. But we used to, it's gonna take me a little longer than that. But we used to walk from one projects to another projects. The projects that we went to where all my cousins was at, because all my cousins were mixed like me. They were black, Spanish, white, Spanish, black, you know. So one thing that I remember is that the where my grandmother lived at, that side in Peanut, that side had more Mm -hmm. Greek and Irish people. I know Peanut lived there, but you know, we had um Donna that lived there, Mike that lived there. All yeah. like my white family lived there, and then if you go in that project, was a melting pot. That was a melting pot. That's why I met your mother. That's called the melting pot, or you, is that an expression? No, I said it was a melting pot. Oh, melting pot. Because, like you said, it was it was Greek, Spanish, everything, whites, blacks. everything. Yeah, but then everybody but then, knew everybody. That's on one side. That's half of the projects, and then there's a basketball mm-hmm. court that splits the projects. And then you have the mm-hmm. other side, and the other side is Hispanic and black more, and, and from my memory, right? So yeah, it was, I was basically that way. Exactly, and I remember that some people, some like kids that I grew up with, were scared to come to one part of the projects, and scared to go to the other part. And I was free because my white aunt lived on the other side. Kelly lived there with Tiffany and Desiree, yeah. and and Alex mm-hmm. lived over there, and all my cousins lived over here. Then I had Noah on this side, and when my grandmother lived, so I was able to go back and forth all over the projects, and I loved it. But when we lived in uh, Duncan projects, we couldn't do that because I didn't have any cousins, and I used to get beat up every day. Let's just keep it real. I used to get beat up every day. And yeah, was- Duncan, Duncan, Duncan was just believe it or not, Duncan was just really a stopover in our lives because it came at a time when. Um, me and your mom was was uh, living in somebody else's apartment, paying to stay there. And like I said, we had you, and she was pregnant with uh, Brandon. And the day after she had Brandon, we got a letter to go see about the apartment in Duncan, which was a mm-hmm. blessing. Because mm-hmm. I never forget, the man told us, if you got $48, you can move in tomorrow. I was like, excuse me? 
He's like, you got $48, you can move in tomorrow. I called your grandmother, my mother, I was like, Ma, I need $48. She's like, well, yeah. like, they talk about we can move into a, this apartment. Yeah. Cause you know, projects are in the street. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. And we moved in, like the rent was only $102 a month. Wow. You know, I never was so lucky since then because you know, yeah. I've been paying. $102 a day. Yeah. <laughs> At one point. I, yeah, we were paying. At a hotel, I was paying $102 a day. We lived I know, in hotel, I remember that. I remember so that. I never, we were never that lucky. To get a, but you know, God is good. Yeah. God is God. We'll take nothing from him because we never was homeless. Yeah. We we we, we, uh, we found the way, and I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. get into that. The um, so, so one thing that I remember when I was a kid. Um, so Brandon was so the young. We have a middle brother. He has a middle son, Brandon. He was the fearless kid. This guy will go talk to everybody. And um, I wasn't like that. I was always, I remember holding on to your leg as a kid. Like I never wanted mm-hmm. to leave your side, right? And um, I remember one of the things, it's crazy. As you grow up, there, there was a couple of things. When I look back and I'm like, yo, I don't know if he knew or if it was like, you know, when we talk about God, we talk about spirit, we, we, the, the higher being, right? Like you never raised me specifically on the one religion and, you know, mm-hmm. maybe do something every Sunday. You never did that. You allowed me to have my creative image of God or whatever. But when I was a kid, I used to be f- like blown away about how you used to have all the drug dealers and the projects around you mm-hmm. and everybody wanted to hear you speak. I used to love seeing it. Right. And you were like, People want, I'm talking about there was parties on Friday nights. There was so many things to do and everybody wanted to hear you speak. And I remember like, I wanted to do that when I was a kid. I saw that like five, four or five years old. I wanted to do that. And there was times you would tell me, go play with your cousins, go play with your cousins. I'll go play, but I'll make sure I'll play where I can see you from a distance on talking. And, and after that, you know, people will, you know, meet me for the first time and someone go, who's this? And I'm like, yo, that's Nate's son. Oh, yo, you Nate's son. I was like the cool kid because my dad was that dude. You know what I'm saying? I remember like it was yesterday. And then as I got older and I had, you know, a desire to want to speak, people always tell me, yo, you just like your father. You just like your father. I heard that my whole life, right? But when I was a kid, I had, when I used to read, I used to read too fast. When I used to speak, I used to speak too fast. You used to always, it was annoying, it used to always stop me. You was very hard on me specifically, not Brandon, not Darren. Mm-hmm. It was hard on me. And you used to tell me things in like five hour speeches to me personally on how important it is when you speak. As if you knew it when is. I grew up, I wanted to be a speaker growing up. Like it, it freaks me out sometimes. I'm like, it feels like he knew that I wanted to be a speaker growing up as a kid, you know? Um, it, it, it is because like I, like I always tell you, 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 you say things, especially when you have people believing in you. You know, when you got people believing in you, like I told you when you start doing this, when you got people that rely on your word, you have a responsibility then, you know, yeah. to make sure what you say is, is, is the, the least accurate, you know, and, and you would never tell somebody something that you don't believe. Yeah. You know, you never ever tell somebody something you don't believe. And I always told y'all, the truth is always the best fucking story that you can ever tell. Yeah. You know, because you, you can't go wrong. When you're telling the truth, you yeah. know, you'll always get it right. Yeah, that was one thing you, you know, hated that's from you us. Nigga, yeah, that's right, yo, nigga. 
You can tell when a nigga lying because every time you come to him, he's gonna tell you a different story. <laughs> when the nigga tell the truth, the words might be different, but the essence of what they saying is gonna always be the same. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Always. I remember I remember growing up, <clears throat> we could and two things that you didn't have was Curse, I mean, not cursing. We never, you never even told us not to curse. We naturally did, we had too much respect to curse around you. But lying, if we try to lie, we lie to you. Oh my God, forget about it. That's the worst thing you can do in my house. Lie. <laughs> that's <laughs> and, right. That's right. And the, and the crazy you, thing about it. People think you're a liar. They think you're a thief. Yeah, yeah, you used to say that all the time. And you, and you, really didn't play the lying game, and you didn't, you didn't allow me and Brandon to fight. That was another thing, neither. Like, Brandon and I could never get in arguments and fight. It, it would, that, we knew if we wanted to upset you, us fighting was the biggest thing that could upset you. Like, that, that was yeah. the thing, fighting. Just to give us... Because the uh, only thing I can always think about is one day when I'm going, is to die knowing that y'all going to take care of each other. Yeah. I can rest in peace. As long yeah. as I know that, I can rest in peace. Remember what yeah. I used to tell y'all, right? Keep it up. I'm going to let y'all go in the room. Yeah. And get in the bed and take a nap together. <laughs> <laughs> yo, that used to, yo, the crazy thing about it, uh, I wanted to tell the audience this, the crazy thing about it is that, yo, my dad never hit us. He His punishments were, like, real, but it wasn't, like, a weak punishment. It was, like, you got to go in your room for an hour and you can't play the game or something like that, right? But it was the speeches that he used to give us for, like, three hours. He used to give us these speeches. <laughs> but during these speeches, he used to give us, he used to say funny things and expect us not to laugh. And one of the things he used to say is, y'all keep playing. I'm going to make both of y'all go in that room. Y'all going to shut that light off, turn the TV off. I'm going to have y'all hug each other and stay in that room and take a nap. He used to specifically say hug each other and fall asleep and take a nap. That's your brother. That's yeah. Your brother. That's and then right. I remember, I remember one day, anytime we got in trouble, my dad would do this shout out in the house right and it was like in this order nathan brandon darren see darren's the youngest one darren was the one that he was really like darren was learning darren was the youngest child he was more like as growing up he listened to me and fought with brandon a lot fought with the middle child but he'll call it so me and brandon and darren would be there and brandon would take forever to come and i remember this one day you called us and you got mad and because nobody, Brandon forgot to clean the dishes on the rotation of cleaning the dishes. And you called us to you and used to make us stand in your doorway. If your doorway was only this big, only, only six feet wide, you used to make us stand shoulder to shoulder, oldest to youngest. And then you'll, you'll, you'll do one of your threats, your punishment threats. And this one was so funny. You see, anytime I made a joke or laughed, Brandon laughed three times harder because Brandon mm -hmm. was waiting for me to say something. But there was this one day you said, you guys forgot to clean the dishes. And I was like, dad, that was Brandon. You said, I'm talking. I said, fine, dad. You, you talk. You said, the next time one of you guys miss the dishes, I don't care who it is, all of you are going in your room and you're not coming out. You're not playing the game. You're not doing none of that. I don't care. And behind us was a staircase to the first floor. We was in a two-family house. You said, I don't care if Jesus Christ himself <laughs> walks up my staircase and tries to convince me to get you off punishment. And right there, I looked at you and I said, Dad, and you said, what? I said, Dad, let's be honest here. If Jesus Christ walks up those stairs, the last thing that's on your mind is us being on punishment. Brandon started laughing so hard. Everybody started laughing. And you got, you got upset. And you was like, I told you guys, I'm not raising no clowns. And I think 
you not raising clowns, right? Because you didn't want to raise clowns. I want to get into that on this. But you really stopped two potential comedians out of your house, me and Brandon. Like, we're probably the funniest dudes we've ever met. We always, Brandon and I always go at it and we always compliment each other. We shake hands and say, you're the funniest guy I know. And then I say the same thing to him. But the reason why I'm more on the, on the, on the spectrum of motivation and fitness and things is because you didn't want to raise clowns. Why, why is that? I, didn't, I, I, I kind of thought it was just a saying you growing up, but you didn't want to raise a comedian? I, I don't get it. Well, let me tell you how come. Because that shit boiled over. You know, that shit boiled over to the classroom. Oh. You know, I didn't want my kid in the class thinking he was the funniest motherfucker in class. I wanted the smartest kid in class. Mm. See, my problem was, I thought I was the funniest dude in class. You know, that was one of my problems. I got, I got left back one time in the seventh grade. And you know what? I was the funniest dude in the seventh grade. My teacher used to crack up. She used to go to me, oh, Nate, you're so funny. But I'm not passing you. <laughs> I didn't believe her. Yeah. The end of that year came. I got my report card. I was left back. I was crushed. Yeah. I was crushed. Because I, I didn't really believe that she could leave me back because she liked me so much. Yeah. But she told me, she kept telling me. Yeah. And I had to go to summer school. Yeah, I know you, know you you told me that story and then you became yeah, mute, I went right? To school. You said you came and, back and, the and, next year and you, you you never even talked to anybody. That's right. That's right. I, that's where I told you about my sabbatical because I self-imposed. Mm -hmm. So I have to I have to put self-imposed before that because I'm not a doctor, I'm not a priest. I know that doctors and priests they take sabbaticals to go off and take time to study in a field, like if I was a priest. I take a sabbatical and go on a retreat, like a, 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 a religious retreat, yeah. like go to Mecca or something like that. Yeah. Like Malcolm X took a sabbatical and went to went to uh, uh, Mecca to, to, to study Islam. Uh -huh. You know, that, that's a sabbatical. I took a self-imposed sabbatical just to shut up. Because I said, all my friends say, you talk too fast. And I said, yeah. always talk. I said, always blah, 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 blah. Nate, stop talking. Nate, and we be in bed, the grandma would be like, Nate, shut up, go to sleep. All you can hear was, Nate, shut up, Nate. Stop talking so fast. Because I, my handwriting to this day, my handwriting is like chicken stretch. Because my mind worked faster than I can write. Dad, you're you know, talking so, about, like, th this is me right now. You're, you're describing me, but continue to go. Yeah, because when, when I was in school learning penmanship like everybody else, when they was forming their letters perfectly and came out with this nice old penmanship, I wanted to get past that so I could do something else. So I didn't take the time to form it. I just took time enough to know what I was writing. Yeah. There. That's how I come out. Remember I told you, reread re -re everything you write before yeah. you put it out because I know how your mind works. Yeah. You'll think that you put something, something and then when you read over it, you'll know. I didn't put it. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. I have that problem. I learned that day. about myself. Mm -hmm. I learned that about myself. So I took like a, a year of just, and, and, and challenge myself to only talk when necessary. Mm. You know, just look and and I think that that I don't think I know that yeah changed my life because when you when you when you're a talker and then you become a listener, you learn something from a different perspective. Mm. You know, yeah, you true. can't hear when you're talking. Yeah. You did? So now that I'm not talking, I can hear better and yeah. I hear more and I learn more. And I realized that I like learning. Mm. To this day, remember I used to watch crazy stuff 
You still do. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because y'all you know, always get me, Dad, why you watch that? I just go, because you never know. Yeah. You never know. A conversation or situation. That's why I always felt like I can enjoy in a conversation with anybody. Yeah. You know? And deal with them on uh, one level or another. Yeah. Because I, I drowned myself because of the way I was raised. You know, with your aunt, when I was with your aunt Lorraine, we didn't do things like just bull crap on rainy days. We did things like play family games like Scrabble. Like to this day, I do crosswords. You know, I do 10 crosswords a day. You know, not, not to find the word. Yeah. Crosswords. Crossword, yeah. Word, you know, put in the word, yeah. You know, I do 10 of them a day because it keeps my mind going. Yeah. You know, it keeps my mind exercised. And that's what's important. You know, if you can get a high from learning, you know, Oh, man, it's the best thing in the world. Well, so I think higher when you share, share it. You know, yeah, sharing. I'm. I'm like I get. I know I get everything you just you just described is me, and that's how I I work. You know, and mm-hmm. I think like if like there's a couple parts of you, and then when I every time I talk about you to people, I'm like, growing up I saw there was different sides to my dad, and each side was one of his kids at the same time. We all have that personality right. from him, so like. He has a side where he's very talkative and he's very funny. That's me. And then he has a side where he's very, he's a hustler, you know, like he, mm-hmm. he, you know, he knows about his money. He doesn't let anybody get a dime over. That's Brandon. That's the middle child right mm-hmm. there. Mix that up with the funny and talkative. Brandon got both. And then there's a part of my dad that likes to be left alone. Right. And like, mm-hmm. like he likes to hang out by himself. That's my youngest brother. My youngest brother yeah. likes to just be by himself, man. Like there's times he'll come out and pop his head out and talk, but there's a part of my youngest brother who can be, you know, home all day by himself. But for me, I have all three of those sides because there's times where I can sit in this, in my apartment right now and just study, be by myself for days and, and not make friends and not talk to people, not give people callbacks and I like that. There's a part of me that was mm-hmm. very selfish when it comes down to learning because I need to use my brain and upgrade my brain unless I'm feeling like I'm wasting time. So that's really cool um, that you, you brought that up because I didn't have that written down. But one thing I want to ask you is where did you get most of your education from? Did you get it from schools? Did you get it from experience? Did you get it from um, or just self-education? A mixture. And, and, and- Listen, there, there are several kinds of education. You know, your grandfather, perfect example, sixth grade education, all right? Yeah. If I sat down and list the things that that man has done in his life with a sixth grade education, people wouldn't believe it. Yeah. He owned, you know, he owned businesses, yeah. buildings, everything, you yeah. know? He hitchhiked from North Carolina up here at 13 years old, start working for this man in a mechanic shop, okay? And wind up buying the business from the man and then buy the building next door and the building next door. Yeah. All right? Yeah. And then he was a hustler. Woke up one day, woke up one day after being a mechanic for like 40 years, woke up one day and decided he didn't want to be a mechanic no more. And I was all about like, what you mean? He just didn't, he just didn't go open up the shops or nothing. He just woke up one day and decided he wasn't going to attend it no more and stopped being a mechanic. Yeah. And then he went and went to the aluminum siding business, put the aluminum siding on the house. Yeah. 
He went to that business. Did that, and then decided he didn't want to do that no more. And then went to the real estate. Yeah, he's still like that you know? to this day at 86, though. Yeah. I come you to his house I mean? and I go talk to him. He's like, yeah, I just brought this car because I got tired the last one. I'm like, Grandpa, you just got that like five months ago. He goes, yeah, I got tired of it. Like, he has yeah. no fear of like, I think, I think I get that from, I get that side from him a little bit because there's times where if I'm done with something or I decide I want to do something, I don't have the fear to do it, you know? And I see yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's, and that's, that's experience. His education you know, came from experience right there then. Yeah, that's, that's a type of education. Yeah. Experience. Then you got, when, when before I stopped going to school, I, I stopped going in the 12th grade. When I stopped going, it was because Timmy got pregnant with Tori. Yeah. I got a job in the airport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Because your other Ray wasn't having it. You know, we all went to school. You know, your cousins got degrees. The house yeah. was raised at, they got degrees. Yeah. And I messed around and didn't get one because, you know what? Make these fucking, you're going to have to pause that because I still got it. You I get, had 150. Yeah, I, I pause that shit. Oh, excuse me again. It's okay. <laughs> it, it was that one. Well, anyway. Where's it at right now? It's on 30. All right. So we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up in a little bit. Good. Keep going. All right. And uh, I went to school. I was good at it, you know? And then we moved to Kerry Woods and I started dabbing in the streets. Yeah. We put it this way. Everything I did, I did with an eye of being good at it, you know? And I, and I, and I can honestly say I, I think I pretty well was pretty good at anything because when all my friends had kids at 16, 17, I had my first kid at 21. Mm-hmm. At 21 years old, and my, my dad, all my friends had two or three kids. Yeah, no. You know? I had my first one at 21. I wasn't, you know, I, I broke up with my relationships, but I was always a show up dad. Yeah. You know, it was always in me to be a show up dad, you yeah. know? And I never stopped learning. Yeah. I never stopped intentionally learning, put it that way, because yeah. as long as you're living, you're learning, right? Mm. But I went further than that. I, I intentionally learned. Mm. You know, I'm always looking to learn, you know? Mm. Like my little TV programs, you know, like when the internet came out, if I hadn't had the internet when I was a kid, I know, I know, <laughs> I'd be a genius. You I know. know. I remember coming in and, and always coming to your room, and you always having either the Discovery Channel, History Channel, something, some form of education on. And and that you mentioned before that Brandon and I used to come in and used to make jokes of you, and then you'll be yeah. like, "Sit down and learn something," and I'll sit and learn, and I'll go to school the next day, and I'll and I would. Know the answer. You come back something. and say, Dad, you know what? Like, this came up. I, exactly. I tell people about that all the time. Exactly. I was like, and my son used to always come in and tease me about, you know, watching <laughs> these programs. And then he would go to school and come home and say, Dad, you know that that came up today? And I, and, I, and I knew the answer. That's how I come because you never know. So that's how I felt. I, in order to be as versatile as I would want to be, you have to be as rounded mm. as I set out to be. Yeah. You know? And yeah. it's a learning, ongoing experience. Yeah. So every day, I live to learn. You yeah. know, so yeah. education is the go. thing. That's right. Education is the thing that never stops. You always, yeah. you know, learn. Yeah. The 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 thing that fascinates most people when I talk to them, you know, and 
if they're impressed by like my presence or you know me talking or something they're like where'd you get this from and i always say i get it from my dad you know and they you know they always say i know your dad's proud you know and i know the way he he probably raised you like this they always assume the way you raised me and it's always wrong on how they raised me they get it right that you raised me right but they think that you raised me with so many rules, but you didn't. You gave me laws like how the Bible or any religion gives laws within their religion. You gave it to us, right? It was not to lie. My curfew was, oh, I always had to make my way back home at 12 a.m., even at like 12, 13 years old. And you never told me, Nate, I don't want you smoking. I don't want you with girls. You never told me these things, right? But when I was a kid, my friend's parents used to always be in their face. You better not smoke. You better not smoke. And as soon as they left, these are the kids that lit the, lit the cigarette or lit the weed first. You know, they, were really, they really wanted it. And when the, the weed was being passed in a circle and it came my way, I didn't want to do it because I'm like, wow, my dad didn't even have to tell me not to smoke. You know, like he trusts me uh-huh. that much that he didn't have to tell me not to smoke. I don't want to do it. I don't want to disappoint him. And it was like a reverse psychology thing that I learned at a young age, you know, and I kind of used it. You know that. what it was? What you know it? what it was? It was, it was, you knew right from wrong, okay? Mm-hmm. And as long as you embed in a child right from wrong, you can leave them, pretty much leave them alone and let them grow. You know, yeah. and that's what I did. Like, for example, your haircut. I never took you to the barber shop until the barber gave you this kind of haircut. It was always whatever you wanted because when the barber got finished, you had to wear that cut. Yeah, you know what? You know? That that was my next thing on on this. That's good that you said that. I was about to say that's another thing. When when I was a kid, Brandon and I used to go and you used to let me get all the designs in my hair. Like I used to always want the designs, and I used to go to that's school. Right. And kids were like, "Your dad let you get that? My dad's not." I'm like, "My dad lets me get any haircut I want." You know? That's I remember right. that. That's that's that. And was you know dope, where that man. starts from? That starts from when 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 you was a baby and your brothers. I never allow no people to come talk to my kids. Maybe got that Google, Google, Google thing. What the fuck do that mean? <laughs> <laughs> you speak to my kids like you speak to the next person and don't talk to them. You know, that's yeah. why some kids don't start talking until they're two and three and four years old. Yeah. Because people didn't talk to them. They talked to them like they was dummies. Yeah. You know, you have to treat the kids like a person from the day that they become people. And that's yeah. on the day that they born. Yeah. You know, you have to actually teach them right from wrong, give them choices, choices, and let them start, let their brain develop. Yeah. You know, you give them choices. And yeah. as a parent, you, you, you oversee. Yeah. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to chastise. Yeah. You know, you can guide, but not chastise. Because yeah. when you chastise, then you, you're given conflict. Yep. You know, then you can build uh, resentment. You know, according to you, no man of chastising. You yep. know, but if you give choice and then just oversee, they accept and receive it better. Yeah. You know, you receive something better when a person make you feel like it's just natural. Then if you feel like they pushing Forced. it on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you feel like you learned it on your own, then you feel more powerful and more, you know, good about it because you feel like, hey, I, I did this. And that's what I did. Like bedtimes, you know. Hey, you don't go to sleep, you know what? You still got to get up in the morning. Yeah, I know. You know, I know. So, yeah, I know. You never... Yeah. That's your yeah. business. <laughs> yeah, you, you know? still, I remember. But you going to get up and go to school. Yeah. See, that's what I mean. You give them choices. 
and then when they don't make the right choices, and you 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 guide them, and then you don't let them harm themselves. You know what I'm saying? But you give them reasonable choices. Yeah. You know, and let them learn, yeah. and let them grow, and you and your brother are the results. Yeah, a hundred percent. We we live by that. You know we live by that philosophy. You you were um. One of the reasons why I wanted to get you on this podcast, and I'm pretty sure after we do this, there's going to be questions and we're going to have to make another one soon. But you were a philosopher that was, that is like an art, like an artist that has been making art, but gets rich when they die. You, you heard of those artists, like broke artists, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You was a philosopher in my house. Like I grew up with this philosophy, the philosophies you you taught me and I added some more onto it. And when I go around and I talk and you know, I just have conversations with people. They're like blown away by my mindset. And I was like, you know, I was raised with a different type of philosophy in my house, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and I think that when you say you sit down, sometimes you think about what you did with your life, you know, there was no doubt about it. I have this philosophy in my mind or this idea in my mind that some souls come here to prepare other souls or to reunite souls or to heal souls, like some doctors, practitioners and things like that. Yeah. I think you, you, your soul came here to be an amazing dad. Like that was your, that was your desire. It, it turned into your desire, but that happened to be like your greatest gift because yeah. all your philosophies, all your teachings, all your experience, I live by. I lived it. Mm -hmm. I saw it. And I wanted to apply it because I saw what happened when it was put into action. And I saw, I felt like when I saw you, I knew you had to make certain decisions growing up to, and able to survive. I know like, you know, you had to be, you had to become a hustler. Like most mm -hmm. people had to become hustlers. Right. But I saw that you did it only to pay the bills. You didn't do it to rock Gucci. You didn't do it to get a brand new car. You did it to survive and then that's it. And I remember when mm -hmm. we used to stay in a hotel on in front of the Holland Tunnel and we had to pay the room every day. And I told mm -hmm. you this last week and I was stressed out because the room was due at 11 a.m. And I would look at you at 10.30, 10.40, 10.50 and you would be sitting down with one leg on the bed laying down with your one leg off the bed, one leg on the bed, just laying back watching probably judge judy or something and i'm like that the room's doing about 15 minutes and i remember i, was, I will always remind you one day you're like pa why are you more worried than me i'm the one that has to pay the room right and I, I, was, I was and i was worried because i'm like i always thought that today's gonna be the day we don't you know we don't make it but i remember one specific day it was like two minutes before the room was paid and needed to pay and they called for checkout and I'm like, oh, they're calling for checkout. And as soon as I thought it wasn't date, I think Rob, your friend Rob, pulled up with the money to pay for the room. Mm -hmm. And you get you used to always make me go pay. So I went, I paid, and I came back to the room. And I, and I said to you, I said, Dad, how do you know, like, today was so close. How do you know that it's not going to be tomorrow that we get kicked out? How do you, and you, you simply told me that, God knows what you're doing and you're only doing what you're doing to survive. And he knows that you're doing it out of good intention and that you are, he knows that the, the, your reasoning behind it and he's going to look out for you. And I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know about that, bro. Like, you know, but <laughs> right? like, I'm like, 
that I don't know about that, bro. Like you, like there's a lot of things you used to say, and we probably ninety percent we're like, yeah, this was one yeah. of them. Like I'm not with you on this one, and I'm like, I don't think God controls you paying a room, and but it was true. We never ever missed a day, right? And then if we if we did get in in troubles, your intentions were so good that the manager at the uh, hotel who, who happened to be a white man, right? Cause not everybody's mm-hmm. racist. Mm-hmm. Who happened to be a white guy saw how hard you were fighting and he will let you slide for a couple of days just to make it up a couple of days later. But mm-hmm. that was one of the biggest philosophies I took in my entire life. Cause everything I did out of good intention, when I had to leave the first gym I was at, when I had to leave certain relationships and mm-hmm. friendships, I knew I had good intention the whole time and I knew there was a purpose behind it and I believed it would work out because of that one day we was in a hotel. So I, I remember that day. Um, so that I know your phone is dying. You're doing this interview mm-hmm. on the phone. Before we go, um, I just want to have some fun things to actually too. We use like, I should actually some, a fun round, you know, yeah. to lighten it up because you know, we we went, we went over basically what's going on today. We went over the fact that your son's being a cop and that's something you have to worry about. But then we all also went over your upbringing a little bit. We, we tapped into it. Um, but before we get into the fun round, I kind of want to wrap up the round of just like understanding that for people that listen to me, this can be heard tomorrow or 10 years from now. I want I wanted this to to be recorded because this is the guy who... I get everything from, right? Like I get the mindset from you. I got the swag from you. There was times we used to go in the store and used to buy certain shoes. I'm like, dad, why are you getting those shoes, man? Those are ugly, like Vans or something like that. Some nice cool mm-hmm. shoes. And I wanted flashy things. And you like, one day you understand and just walk away from me. But then when I did buy that shoe 10 years later, I'll call you and say, dad, you was right about this. Yo, dad, every time uh-huh. you was right about something, I used to always call you when I disagreed yeah, at yeah. a young age. I was like, dad, you was right about this. But... Um, the mindset that I got was uh, all from you because not only when you spoke, you spoke out of confidence, but if you didn't know what you was talking about, you'll go find out and then come back with, with the confidence to talk about it. Right. You used to always tell me, don't speak on things you don't know. And that's, that's right. Um, but the mind of being positive was something that I got from you. Cause I never, I never saw you negative. I never saw you negative. And growing up in the household that we did, we had a lot of struggles with my mom having the mental problems that she has and you even when things were at the lowest point you were always positive and that's why I got it from I got my positivity from you I got my desire to the enthusiasm to want to speak because of you and then the other side that people don't see is you're funny you're just as funny as just like you're motivated right you're funny and people find that about me too when they we hang out they think I'm funny and I'm like well I'm just saying something motivational that happens to be true but in a funny way and it makes it funny. Yeah. That's comedy, right? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so um, I, I hope I dived into as much as things as I can with you, but I'm going to do some, any, babe, do you, I'm, I'm just going to keep this raw. Do you think I should ask some, any other questions? Am I missing anything? Um, I think for right now, since we did say a lot of like important topics, but there's, there's definitely things that we could talk about. There's definitely going to be a part two. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, listen, I'm here for you. You know that anytime that you want to talk. I just want to say that you guys, man, you know, the light of my life. I sit back now, even as, not as an old guy, because I'm still still young, but I sit back and I'm as proud as any man could be with the son that I have. And, you know, 
people always go, oh, you say that about, people brag about their kids and most of the time they exaggerate to the other degree. Yeah, you know? yeah. I don't have to exaggerate. Yeah. But I can imagine the people that think that I'm exaggerating because of how good it actually turns out. You yeah, could have never planned to be this good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I never could, never, I got people, man, that, I mean, real people that seem like whooping them, that seen y'all, you know, and seen us going through, asking about y'all all the time, and be just as proud to know that y'all doing what y'all doing. Yeah. And, bro, listen. Yeah, because there's, there's, a, there's a lot of things we didn't tap into in this, like the struggles, you know? I wanted to, I didn't yeah. want to make it all about me in this. I wanted to make it, I wanted to know more about you and get the audience to know more about you, but the struggle was yeah, well, real. We can, listen, we can always, we can always, man. Yeah, the struggle down, was real. Move in and out and, uh, and pick this up at any time. And But uh, one of the other biggest I, things you used to always emphasize in the house, the biggest thing was a college degree. That was the, that oh, was yeah. the biggest thing. Aside from lying, the must do. You never gave us what you must do, but you was like, yeah, everybody has to get a college degree. You didn't care what sport I, I did. Because black folks got a habit of, after their children leave high school, letting that be it. You know, from the day one, they raised their children to graduate high school. Yeah. I wanted to give y'all a mindset from the beginning. Yeah. That, no, it started after your first degree. Yeah. After your first degree, if you want to stop doing, all right. But you bring your first degree home, and then you can say you did something. Because a high school diploma nowadays don't get you nothing. That's true. You, you got to have your first degree at least. Yeah, you know? that's true. And for all y'all to have y'all degree, and like I said, it, it's a win. It's a total yeah, win. Big one. And I couldn't ask for this to turn out no better than it did. Yeah. And, and grandkids, I'm like, I tell people all the time, if you think my kids something, you wait until my grandkids come. Grandkids gonna be crazy. Grandkids I got my I got my dog's military trained. Imagine my kids. <laughs> <laughs> because listen, me waiting until I was 21 to have my first child is benefiting that because you're wiser, mm -hmm. you got a little bit more life experience. And at this point right now, none of y'all got no children and none. all of y'all over 21. I'm about to so, be 27. No children. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you'd be yeah. more better prepared. The struggles that you've seen, you don't have to relive. Yeah, that's you know a fact. And that's, and, that's, and that's all part of the master plan. Mm. You know, that's yeah. all part of the master plan. So this thing, even God forbid, after I'm going, this thing continues on. Because yeah. now, y'all do the right thing with y'all children and children and yeah. children. And that's what you call breaking the cycle. Yeah, that's you how know, you break. Yeah, my thing was to break the cycle. As far as my family is concerned, it started with me. Mm. You know, the part I'm saying, I broke the cycle. Now it's up to y'all to continue to keep it going. Yeah, you know, and we live in infamy. Yeah, you know, it'll be one of us around one day, and all with, with college degrees. From this point on, nobody stops without a college degree. Oh yeah, you ain't did nothing. Yeah, that's true. You know? it is, and Brandon and I already talked about that. It's like not even negotiable for our kids. By the time our kids, so you remember me like, telling you this? Look, remember me telling you this? To go to a mansion. Basketball player live in a mansion. Next door, he got a neighbor. And the other side, he got a neighbor. He not playing sports. He not playing sports. You don't have to be a sports personality to own a mansion. You know, there are other ways to accumulate wealth other than playing sports. See, a lot of black folks think that if the kids don't make it to the NBA or the NFL, then the best thing they can do is get a job at the post office. 
which the post office is an excellent job, you know, excellent job. But there's wealth beyond that. Yeah. Wealth beyond that. You know, you ain't gonna buy no mansion working at the post office. You gotta be doing like what you do. You gotta be out there going for it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you don't go for it, you don't never know if you can reach it. Yeah. You know, yeah. you got to go for it. Yeah, that's true. You know, if you sit back and say, damn, I wonder if I can, I wonder. And you just keep, keep wondering. No, you have to get up and actually reach mm-hmm. before you know if you can reach it or not. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing is the first steps toward knowing that if you're going to get what you want because if you don't, at least you can say you gave it a hell of a fucking try. And that's, that's the only thing that matters. That's the philosophy I live by. You know, by trying to do it, you know, um, you know, living my life every day, trying, trying, trying. And if I die saying, yo, I tried every day and it didn't happen, then I'm fine with it. And then I can die peacefully. But what I've learned is when you have that attitude and you have that intention, it opens up to you. Everything that that's I right, that's right, right now and everything I have right now in my life, I'm like, yo, sometimes I go on these walks with Ree. And I tell him, like, yo, babe, we got to be careful we ask for because, yo, everything I wanted in my life, I got right now. I got right and, now. And listen to this. Listen to this. And your kids won't know nothing else. That's mm-hmm. the only thing they don't know. Mm-hmm. See, they only children only know what you, what you teach them and what you, what you show them and what their environment prevailed in them. Mm-hmm. So with you being who you are, then where you at, what could the children do? They yeah. can only do that and better. Yeah. See, that's what it's all about. It's all about making the next one better than the first one. Yeah, it's true. You did? Yeah, so you got the first set to set it up for the next set to be that much better, and so on, and so forth, and so on. Like I said, I don't know you live in this philosophy. One plus one is two, mm-hmm. and one more is three, mm-hmm. and one more is four, you know, five, six, seven, you know, and that's how you get to 10. Yeah. One at a time. Yeah, you one know? at a time. And I also remember philosophy is if I clean the dishes and everything comes out spotless, but one fork was dirty, you'll make me do everything <laughs> all over. I remember that philosophy. There it is. And, 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 and you don't do something, do it right the first time. That's right. That's right. Do it right I'm the like, first oh, time. Oh, man, dad. Right. It would be like 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, dad, I'm tired. You're like, do it again. Do it again. I'm like, oh, my God. And it was when I was doing it, I was like, this is so dumb. This is so dumb. But but look at but look at your work ethic now. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, my work ethic is through this through the roof. And I also remember, um, you know, if I came home and complaining about not getting playing time in the sport or nothing, you never, you know, allow me to be, you know, sad. You'd be like, you got to work harder. I'm like, what? You yeah, know, you that's work right. Harder. And it got to a point that's where you right. living on Reed Street. When I first started football, I wake up, go to Gold's gym, work out, jump on the bus from there, go to school go to school, then go to practice, then come home, drop off my stuff, and then go back to the gym and then come back. And I remember I used to work so hard that there was days when I woke up to go to school and you told me to go back to bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you gotta take a break, but- He was like, you Nate, you, you pushing a little too, too, too much, much, man. Yeah, he was like, go back in there, go back to bed. And I was like, and Brandon's like, dad, I wanna go, I wanna stay home. Like, Brandon, go to school. <laughs> all right dad i want to get to yeah. a, a nice little fun round with you real quick so um this was Ree's idea which is awesome but she said recall a okay. time that you would never forget so you recall a time i'll say with all of us that you'll never forget with me brandon and darren like a memory that pops up in your head all the time uh 
Oh, you know what? Let's make it. Wait, wait. Hold on. Remember, recall a time with me. Since the audience is here for me, recall a time with me that kind of just pops up in your head. I, I, you, you're not even going to remember this because you was a baby. It was, uh, it was two below zero outside. Mm-hmm. I was at, I was at your grandmother's house on Bergen Avenue. Your mom, uh, your mom, right? Yeah, yeah, my yeah. mom. And uh, I hadn't seen you in like four days. I hadn't seen your mother. She happened to have you at this time. I get a phone call from some lady saying that she got my son and he got a fever and he ain't see, she hasn't seen his mother in two days. Mm. I'm like, what? She said, I got your son and he's sick, he got a fever and, I, and she's supposed to go to get some medicine for him and she hasn't come back within two days. So luckily for me, it was around by the medical center Mm-hmm. I'm going down the hill on Montgomery Street. That's right. So like you. five or six blocks away. Yeah. But like I said, it was like two below zero outside. Yeah. It was really cold. So I went around there to get you. And the only thing this, this woman had for me to bring you home with was a little spring blanket, a pamper that was fancy because she had no more pampers for you, and a big t shirt that she had on you. So I had to take my coat off, wrap you up in my coat and walk from Montgomery Street back to Bergen Avenue with you with no coat on at two below zero. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. Wow. I never even knew that. All right. So so yeah, that's a good that's a good recall. All right, Dad. So what is your favorite food? Crabs, man. Crabs, right? Crabs in a while. I know, I know. Word. We used to go up and have crabs. I love crabs probably my favorite food too. Who's your favorite comedian? Because in our household People always get like Re and I seen every comedy movie that ever came out in the last 10 years because that's how we were raised. We were raised watching comedy. We didn't watch horror movies. Yeah, yeah. Like your action. You but, specifically like your action, but we love as a family comedy. So who's your favorite? Yeah, comedian? you remember we used to have the vote at the theater when it was going to be comedy again this week? Yeah. yeah. But but you know who my, 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 my favorite comedian was? Well, I can still Pryor. say Richard Pryor. Yeah. Yeah. But... Dave Chappelle is the GOAT. Dave Chappelle is my favorite of all time. No yeah, doubt about it. Yeah, look at the GOAT, yo. All right, so who? what is your favorite movie? Um, I don't know if you, if, if you would remember this one. It's called The Mac. Richard Pryor was in it. Okay. He played a, he played a pimp. I think I know you're talking about. I think you made me watch that movie. And you yeah. laughed at everything he did, even just walking into a room. You thought he was funny. Yeah. Right. And who is That's your right. favorite music artist? Al Jerome. Oh, really? Jasmine. Al Green. I thought Al Green, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Al Green, yeah. Al, Al came out, so Jerome wrote nasty, but you're right. It is Al Green. It is Al, it Green. Is Al Green. Yeah, raised yeah, always. Right. always. And then, yeah, it is, it is. And then the That's last right. question, the last question is somewhere you always wanted to visit? China or Alaska. Wow, I never expected that. China or Alaska, I never, chi- why, why, why China? <laughs> because they got, they got the, uh, they got the, what's the name, men buried there, the, the soldiers. Uh, damn, I'm getting, the Great Wall? They got a, they, 
No, yeah, I want to see the Great Wall, but they got a whole army, right? I think uh, 5,000 real life men, statue, this king had his army, right? He had uh, sculptors to sculpt his whole army, 5,000 men, real life size, and buried it with him. 5,000 statues of his army buried with him. And they, they, they dug up the grave and they found it. I want to go see him in, in, in real life. But just imagine this. Every man in his army had a scope of them. Yeah. And it was 5,000 of them. Wow. That's crazy. That's a lot. Yeah. And, and, and why Alaska? Oh, uh, because I like cold weather and I, I always, I always just wanted to be where it was just like endless snow, mm. you know, and oh. it, it could be Alaska or Alaska is it, but I, I go for uh, like, um, like Kansas or someplace with like open, I like open mountainous areas and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. But I love the snow. Like the country. You like the country. That's like the country yeah, right the there. Yeah, the country. Yeah. Yeah, really? exactly. Wow. I love to be, listen, put it this way. Put the snow in the country together. I like to be in the country when it's snow. Yeah, we may have to put you in Canada or uh, Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know Buffalo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because then you get the cold. You definitely get the cold in Buffalo. That's crazy. I, I'm totally opposite. I need to be somewhere where it's hot and some nice uh, pine trees. Palm trees. Palm Listen, where you at right now, I, I could come and visit, right? But yeah. in like a week or two, man, I had to get back north. Bro, well, I got to be where the seasons change. Yeah, I, I know. The cycle of life. Yeah. It, it's, also yeah. The, it's also a good philosophy behind the cycle of life like that. So like the fall is the fall of man. So usually, mm -hmm. usually the cycle starts off in the winter, right? The winter is when you start planning and start like thinking your deeds, like what you want to do. And you start planning mm -hmm. them in. Spring, you start to see whatever you plant start to actually come up. And then the summer, you're mm -hmm. able to enjoy them fully grown, your plants, your seeds, you're able to like really enjoy them. And then in the mm -hmm. fall, they start to fall apart and then they start all over in the winter. That's mm -hmm. the same way. It's like the circadian rhythm of our days. And it's mm -hmm. a philosophy. Um, you know, Carl Jung used to uh, speak about the importance of seasons. So the seasons of man is so much similar to season of nature. Um, and yeah. I came across somebody who also likes to live in areas where the seasons change because they, they follow the seasons. And then I know people who follow those seasons even when they're not a part of like a, 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 like a New York where you witness all four. But there's a time in your life, like throughout the year, you should be really learning. And then from mm -hmm. really learning, you should be putting that learning to work. And then mm -hmm. after you put that learning to work, you you you're you have a summer per se. You're able to live with the result of your work and able to really grind it out. Mm -hmm. And then the fall is when you should allow your stuff. You don't have to always be a hot rapper. You don't always have to be the best athlete. You don't always have to be making thousands of podcasts a day. There's a time in your life where you have to enjoy everything that you just made and give yourself time to just fall back. Fall. The yeah. Fall. Yeah. Winter is when you start planning again on how to have a better summer than last year. So mm -hmm. I, I like I like that too. I think you know um, you know you know what you know you know what that's called. That's called reap what you sow. Yeah, reaping what you sow. Yeah. Yeah. I was just explaining. Only use that terminology with money. You know, 
With investments. Yeah, with investments, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah with investments. They tell you to and even with a certain amount of money. Yeah, but if you think about your whole philosophy that you were speaking about today and, you know, all the things you touched on, it's all about, you know, you said about giving respect, doing things right the first time, mm-hmm. relying, mm-hmm. being truthful. These are all things that you put out to get the things back, but you don't do it exactly. for the result itself. You do it because it's right to put it out, you know? Um, That's right. really interesting. All right, Dad. That's right. We are all good here, man. Um, I'm not sure how long this podcast is, but it was a really good conversation. I forgot we was even recording, to be honest with you. It was a really good conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything you want to say before we, we end this podcast? Uh, no, but that we, 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 we always talk, but we'll, we'll talk on this again. Anytime you, you know, if, if I have something that I think that might be useful to you, I, I'll call you up on it now that I see the process. Yeah. You know, and we we, we uh, you we'll know, do this we'll again when I'm in person. We're gonna do another one when we're in person. I'll get feedback yeah. on this, and then we'll be in person. And and you know, I think this had to be done, no matter how or what way we had to do it. But we made it happen. Yeah. There's no excuse. But the next one is definitely gonna be in person. So, um, I thank everybody, you know, for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, till next time, peace.